but he struggled with depression and and uh, I heard him teach how he one time the, the Lord quickened the word to him he was reading and he read that where God will replace a spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. And he knew at that moment that that was the answer. Anytime he started struggling with heaviness or depression, darkness would try to overcome him. From that point on, he would just force himself to begin praising God. He lift up holy hands, which can be the heaviest things in the world when you don't feel like it. And he would begin to just sing God's praises. And I know that that's true. I um, just today I was I told my wife I said I just I can't hear I can't hear the Lord right now. I'm not I'm not getting any I'm not connected. You know I couldn't hear what he wanted to talk about. And but I just went over to the piano and I began to just play some songs and uh, sing to the Lord. And man, it wasn't long. And I could tell he was right there with me. Of course, he always has been. It's not him that leaves or changes, it's us. But nevertheless, that's what happened. And that's, I'm just, I just throw that in just a tidbit, just a nugget for free right there. <laughs> Try it. You'll like it. I guarantee it. But today is uh, what many refer to as Palm Sunday. We're not in the, we don't have to here. <laughs> you can if you want, <laughs> either way. But what they're talking about is, is Palm Sunday. It's the week before Easter, which is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. And this is the time of year I just really love just talking about Jesus, about his really making it personal with his life in the last Days leading up to his perfect sacrifice on our behalf as he approaches Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Where his destiny is about to come to a boiling point, as it were. And Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can put your fingers in John chapter 12 today if you've got it in the Gospel of John chapter 12, which is beautiful. Maybe a marker in Matthew chapter 26. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity once again to come together, your children, to discover more of you, the depths and the mysteries of Christ, which has been revealed by you to us and your desire for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So help us today to feed on your pure manna, Lord, and to protect it in our hearts, to help it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says, At the time, as the time approached, for him to be taken up to heaven. I ministered on this last week. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In Psalm 138, it gives us a glimpse into what was on his mind, what he was saying to himself. 
the eighth verse of Psalm 138. And the King James says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. The Bible that I use most often, the English Standard Version says, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Oh, how comforting. Isn't it? Just to say that to yourself with confidence. Don't you know how faithful He is? I want to tell you today that God always desires and is willing to accomplish everything He has for your life. And it's good. It's good. We got this old free will, though, that's sometimes at odds. And I think that's the problem today. I, I was telling Russell Lorfing, you know, all these wonderful works that I'm always so interested in around the world where you can really make an impression and inroads into people's lives in places where they don't know the Lord and they're hungry for Him. But I told Russell, I said, you know, my burden, my heart lately has just been overwhelmed with and for the harvest field that is the United States of America. And he said, well, let me tell you, Will, he said, I know a lot of ministers that, that are, they're having great success in the inner cities and Harlem and places like that. He said, but I don't have any good reports coming out of ministries that are trying to reach the middle class or upper middle class. It's dry. And I know it. I, I feel it. You get on social media. All the people I love that I grew up with in my own world, you know, that I... And I just hear the animosity toward God, the vitriol. I, and it breaks my heart. Some of these people that have gone to very high educational lofts, doctorates and this and that. And oh, it just seems like they're at odds. This atheist culture that we've come to embrace. It's a bunch of nonsense. Atheists. I was telling a friend, a real prophet that I know, on the way over, we were just, he got me all fired up just talking to him in the truck. Tavana was driving me today, and I was just, I had an impression to call him, you know. And he's a real prophet, and he, man, he just gets me fired up. We were encouraging one another. I told him, I said, these atheists, I said, that's not, you know, atheists don't hate leprechauns and fairies and unicorns because they don't exist. They hate God because He does exist. They want a God that will suit whatever lives they want to live and agree with it. And when they find out that He doesn't, they hate Him for it. And they want to kill the messenger. 
but they can't because the favor of the Lord surrounds me as a shield. I never forget that story. That guy came in and unloaded that gun on uh, John Hagee. <laughs> they looked behind him and it was like the bullets just made an outline of his body. He said, you can't. You just can't right now. The Lord's using me. Nothing to do with him. God will use whoever he wants to use. Use a jackass and a chicken. He can use any man or woman he wants. People have a hard time understanding that. <laughs> but God is good and He wants to fulfill His purpose for you. He wrote a perfect plan for your life and He's just chomping at the bit for you to jump on board and to fulfill that plan. You just have to agree with Him. Unlike the psalmist in the Old Covenant who seemed to believe... It says here, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Unlike him who seemed, who felt like he, he thought God was good, but he felt like he had to ask him not to forsake him. We don't have to do that. Matter of fact, if we do, it's unbelief. Because what did he say? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And when you start saying, well, yeah, maybe for some, but he, you don't know what I've done. I, I didn't know it was based on your merit. I thought you were believing in a Savior who is perfect. Otherwise, you better be. But if it's all because of Jesus, then just put your trust in what he's done. Amen. God's not going to control every detail of our lives, though. That teaching on sovereign, the sovereignty of God to the, to the extent that says that whatever happens, that's what God wants. That's a bunch of trash right there. How, how is that going to help the crackhead downtown right now? Well, you must be here because God wants you here. That's a lie of the devil. We have a free will. And he's not going to interfere with that. Whenever a believer walks in pride or unbelief, they put off or, or put on hold the efforts of the Holy Spirit to operate in their lives, to lead and guide them and to reveal to them the things that God so desperately wants them to know and to do. Jesus walked in victory and, and power and peace. And when we walk in agreement with God, He makes things easy. Not that we won't have trials, we know we will. And if we desire to live godly in Christ, we're going to suffer persecution too. But there's just something really peaceful and easy about living a life in agreement with God. Belonging to God. And not taking the credit for anything. Give it to Him. He says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Mm. 
Somebody ought to get healed right now. Just think of yourself at 30 years old. There's only one of us here that might not be able to fathom that, but it won't be that far from, from you. But at 30 years old, how effective you would have been at ministering the love of God to people who rejected you and were about to kill you. But Jesus, he was sensitive to the Father. He didn't live by sight. He, did, he lived by faith. He knew his battle wasn't against flesh and blood. He was fighting the devil. He trusted that God would perfect those things that concerned him. That he had written about him. That he that had been prophesied about him. And because of that trust, he lived a life of faith in God. And believing the word of God, what it said about him, and in the love of God for others, no matter how they mistreated him. This is our objective, too, as Christians. I was just having that conversation with my prophet friend. Someone had rebuked him. As being a, some sort of Christian know-it-all. And he's not. Everything he says is right on. But he says things in sort of the King James. And it comes off bad sometimes. And I was trying to help him with that because I love him. And I, hey, if I can't reach people, I want you to. I want you to. If I can help you with your ministry, hey, let's figure it out. What's, what's, what's going to be more effective? But as I told him, I said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And he understands that. He doesn't. He, he does care. He doesn't mean to come across that way. I've had that same issue in my life, and especially as I, the more I, I love the Lord and I look around and I, I don't, I don't have time. There are people that want to be saved. Tired of begging people, <laughs> you see, and that can come across kind of harsh. I've had a lot of people die on me. I'm not willing for that to happen. I want to get serious about Jesus. <laughs> Today, we're looking at the life of Jesus, his ministry, his journey to the cross. It, it, it helps us to know him. Better to to grow in our relationship strengthens that relationship with him because we find out more about ourselves the more we learn about him. Amen. This is a a life of tests and trials. But you realize that you'll never complain again. You get to take that test over. It's the truth. Palm Sunday. I like to. I like. I like stuff. I like to learn about stuff. I like to teach people about stuff, so we know, especially when it's about Jesus and the church and the history. About 450, 500 years before 
Jesus arrived in Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, the prophet Zechariah had prophesied the event that we now call Palm Sunday in the Old Testament. He said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9 9. Half a millennium before Jesus was ever born. That prophecy was fulfilled in every particular, and it was a time of rejoicing um, as Jerusalem welcomed their king. See? They were so excited. Unfortunately, the celebration wasn't to last very long. It's fairly short-lived. Because the crowds, they were looking for a Messiah who would rescue them politically and nationally from the oppression of the Romans and restore their nation in the natural And Jesus had come to save them spiritually. First things first. And mankind's primary need is spiritual. It's eternal. Not political or cultural. So Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth not. But if it die, it bringeth forth great or much fruit. That's what he said in John 12, 24. And today we're looking in John chapter 12. And I love it. Jesus compared his death to the planting of a seed. Like a seed... He would rise again and bring forth fruit. Many people is His fruit. You and me. For Him. With Him. That's us, brothers and sisters. That's us. He saw you in His future. And because of that, He looked past the shame of the cross. He despised that. and He saw you. He saw the future. And it was worth it. Everything He had to go through. In this scripture, he was comparing his death and resurrection to a grain of wheat being planted in the ground. And it has to die by being put into the soil, planted in the ground before it can grow and produce more wheat. Jesus would also be laid in the ground for three days. Not in the dirt. We know how he was laid out, but you get the point. Just like a single grain of wheat finds new life through this death and multiplies itself many times over, so Jesus would rise again and bring many others with Him from death unto life. Notice how Jesus spoke about this seemingly terrible situation and made it positive. That 
That's what we would say, by the way. How, how did he do that? How, how was he thinking about you? First of all, he has an amazing relationship with the Father and he trusted Him to perfect all that concerned Him. That's what we said in the beginning. Just like you can today. Same thing. John, Hebrews 12, chapter 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what he did. John 12. Starting at the first verse, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Second verse says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, of course. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Picture this. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Oh my goodness. So Passover is a a Jewish festival that commemorates the Jews being freed from slavery in Egypt. The word Passover comes from the fact that when Moses was in Egypt to get the children of Israel, his people out of bondage, God had commanded the death angel to go to every house in Egypt one night and kill all the firstborn males of each household or family. God inflicted ten plagues upon the Egyptians, but this was the one... That they talk about in Passover. The Israelites were instructed. To mark the doorpost. The the lintel. The mantle of their home. With the blood of a slaughtered spring lamb. And upon seeing this. The death angel knew. That this was a. A house of God's children. And he knew to pass. Pass it by. To pass over. And not take the firstborn of that family. So they call it Passover. When Pharaoh freed the Israelites. They left in such a hurry. They couldn't wait for the the bread dough to rise. So they made it without yeast. In commemoration for the duration of Passover up to, and to this day they, they use no leavened bread that's why they have the flat bread matzah matzah M-A-T-Z-O that's how they spell it. it's just flat unleavened bread huh yep that's it they're in a hurry they didn't have time 
It all means something. But they eat it during Passover. This is one of the things from the Old Testament that they were just types and shadows of things that were to come. Jesus, in our story today, is about to fulfill all of these Old Testament types and shadows by becoming the Passover Lamb of God. Sacrifice so that we can be free, delivered from bondage and welcomed into our eternal promised land and rest and relationship with our Father. Amen? Just because we've placed the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, on our hearts, the door of our soul and spirit, our spiritual mantle, as it were. Amen? So Jesus arrives in Bethany, where Lazarus lived. And just on the east side of the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem is on the west side, about a mile and a half. John says um, two miles, but Wikipedia says a mile and a half. <laughs> so I'll probably go with John on that one. But Lazarus' family, they loved Jesus. They were the ultimate in hospitality. They really loved him. And they had reasons to. They were just his friends. Lazarus and his sisters Martha and Mary. We first met with Martha while Jesus was passing through their town. And he had opened up. Uh, they had opened up their home to Jesus. And he was teaching. And remember Mary and Martha got into a disagreement. And Jesus sided with, uh, with Mary. Because she was sitting at his feet. And she, he said that's the more important thing. And that's a great lesson for us today is that we can get so busy trying to serve the Lord and others that we forget to sit at the Lord's feet and be fed and taught and nourished by Him. Then another time, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. That was in John 11. That was about actually about two months prior to where we are now here at this dinner for Jesus in Bethany. It's a place where Jesus felt really comfortable. He, he loved it there. We talk about Jesus being our Lord, but I really appreciate His Lordship in our lives and His friendship and His, uh, his uh, humanity. And I love looking at these stories and just trying to know Him a little bit better. Remember how thoughtful He was with the woman at the well. How caring and Loving he was. His pleasure, his ministry, his healing, his pain, his rejection. I love to explore all those things about Jesus because it brings me closer to him. He knows everything about me. I like to know more about him. Every man and every woman needs a place like Bethany. We all need to be loved. We all need to be treated well. You know, it's gotten a bit where everybody's so demanding that everybody's going to be treated well. They're, they look for every opportunity to be offended about everything. But I'm just talking about in general, when people really loving the Lord, really serving the Lord, we still have basic needs because we're created in God's image who is love and He's ultimately the source of that love. 
Women's number one need is to feel safe and protected and loved. And man's number one need is to be respected and honored. Without these things, neither gender is really going to prosper. That's why it's so important, especially in the in the marriage role, just to give 100% of yourself to undergird that spouse. And watch, if both of you give 100-100 instead of 50-50, watch how well things go. We just have to die to ourselves, just like Jesus did. That's the problem. People don't want to die to themselves. They want Jesus to come on board and agree with them. So they can get on with their lives. And it's just not going to work that way. In Bethany, Jesus was free of his critics. Had no rejection, no betrayal, only love. Welcoming friends. Good food. What a good time. Knowing what he was looking forward to just a week down the road. I'm sure he was tired from his travels ministering continually for the last three years. Simon the leper lived in Bethany too. It's the only time he's mentioned in Scripture. But I'm certain in my heart that he's a man that Jesus had healed from leprosy in the past. Because I know he wasn't still a leper in Jesus' presence. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) So just to be known as Simon the leper... You know, that's like building a monument unto the Lord to remind you of what He's done for you. Delivered you from. He was one of the ones, Jesus' loyal friends that was there. I just love to paint the picture of this, to think about this time in Bethany. They were just throwing a dinner for Him, you know. Their appreciation, their love, respect... Lazarus had been raised from the dead. He's sitting at the table. A man that had been raised from the dead after being in the grave for several days. Everybody there, Jesus had done something for wonderful. What a special time. And the Judas was there. Judas was there. Jesus knew all the while that Judas was a thief and was stealing money from the treasury. He never once mentioned it to him. Why? He had opportunity to repent, didn't he? How could you be in Jesus' presence every day and see all the wonderful things he did and never never let it change your heart? Simon had been healed. Lazarus was there. Disciples all around him. They had seen tons of miracles. John said, I can't I can't write it all down. <laughs> There's not enough books. Mary was there. This was our third encounter with Mary. The first time she was fighting with her sister. 
And then there was the time when her brother died and she was all broken up when Jesus got there four days too late, it seemed like. But he healed Lazarus that day, raised him from the dead. She was thankful. She loved the Lord. And it was customary at religious festivals to anoint people with oil. That was something that they were used to. But Mary came and she poured what amounted to uh, a year's pay. Poured it out on Jesus. <laughs> this expensive perfume. And I'm sure it smelled the whole place. It was just wonderful. The food, the perfume, the love. On his feet and his head and wiped it with her hair. And then John mentions Judas. But I, you know, he's the one that spoke up and complained, and we know he was a bad guy. But I think, I think he was just the spokesman. I, I think he was the ringleader. I don't think he's the only one that was jealous there that day. Those disciples all acted funny <laughs> until until after the Lord, uh, you know, until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit in the Book of Acts. They didn't have it all together. <laughs> but they were indignant. It hurt Mary's feelings, I'm sure. And in Matthew's account, it says that when Jesus understood it, in other words, it means when he figured out that, that their motivation was ugly, that they were jealous, then he got mad. He rebuked them. He said, what do you want to trouble her for? Leave her alone. He's always looking out for you girls, you know. It's like that, that big brother loves you. John twelve six. He said this not because he cared about the poor, talking about Judas, who was a thief, but because it was he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put inside. He made this pious statement to mask over his true motives. He, he was a hypocrite. He was a liar. Satan is the father of lies. He's lying. Stealing character opens the door for Satan into your life. And that's what happened to Judas. His greed and thoughts... You know, our lives are what our thoughts make them. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that what it says, Proverbs 23.7. And Judas had spent too much time thinking about the wrong things. I think that's how it is with all sin. It all, it's all conceived here with a thought. Now we can reject that thought. That's what I tell us all the time. Like Brother Hagin said, you, can, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest on your head. Get rid of those ungodly thoughts. Bitterness and anger and resentment. Jealousy. Just disregard them. Know that they're not from God. They're from the devil and reject them. Don't entertain them. You can do this. If we couldn't, then it wouldn't tell us how to think in the Bible. You know? 
Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honorable, praiseworthy, think of these things. God wouldn't tell us to do that if we couldn't. Anything He asks us to do, He's given us provision to do it. So, think pure thoughts. <laughs> At least concentrate on those that are good. The Lord is is with us here today and He loves you. And, and I want to encourage all of you just to spend this next week getting to know Him a little better. Get to know the man. How awesome He is. Because next time we see Him, He's going to be a conquering king. He's going to be serious business. <laughs> but He's still this friend and brother to you. Let's finish reading here in John chapter 12 and then we'll be done. love this story. Lost my spot. John chapter 12. Let's look. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. I love chapter 12 of John. Looking at the humanity of Jesus makes me love him more and more. Gives me a great role model for my life. This amazing Lord and Savior that we have. He his resolve to do God's will is such an encouragement, you know, and a, a high mark. But, hey, what is it we say? If you shoot for the stars, you might hit the moon. But wow, what a leap. You know, where do you see yourself today? Like Lazarus? <coughs> A true and thankful friend of Jesus. Just comfortable in his presence. Like Simon the leper. Just glad to be saved from the plague of leprosy. Which is really a picture of sin in our lives. That we were in. But now we're cleansed. Some of us it took a long time for Jesus to come and really make a man out of us. Others of you may have gotten it sooner, but it took me a long time to agree with him. No matter who you are in this picture in John 12, he loves you. He loves us all. But if we're, we see ourselves more like Judas today, just a hypocrite, completely self-absorbed and greedy, jealous, selfish, just remember, he could have repented as long as he was alive. He had a lot of opportunities, and we can too. Jesus died for our sins, just like he did for Lazarus and Mary. 
There was a lot of religious leaders around Jesus too that weren't really his friends. They had ulterior motives which weren't pure. Their hearts were hard and they rejected the Son of God knowing He was from God because they said so. And they plotted His death. They were afraid that they were going to lose what they had in this world. Fearful of Rome. Fearful that they would come and discipline them and ruin the good thing that they had set up there. (laughs) And so they allowed Jesus to be killed. The fear of man brings a snare. Proverbs 29.25 As long as we're fearful of what man thinks or can do to us more, more than we honor and magnify what God thinks and more than we turn to Him, you know. I say too many people go to Google before they go to God. Too many people pick up the phone and call a friend to ask what they think or what find out what the world's going to think about a decision they make before they go to their prayer closet and ask God what He thinks. It shouldn't be like that. And I'm convinced that it won't be like that if you really begin to believe how much He loves you and cares for you and is there for you and really wants to be a part of even the smallest decisions in our lives. And answers come. And the more we just begin to build our life around Him, nothing more important than Him, it'll make us do everything better. Treat everyone better. All the relationships we already have will be better. Everything we give to the Lord, all the time we give to Him, will we'll deplete our, our other relationships and jobs of nothing. We'll find that they go smoother and easier and we get more done. He created time. He's not in it. I don't know how many countless times I've prayed for him to restore or redeem the time for me when I screwed up and got behind the eight ball. And I, I, just, I just stopped being amazed at how many times he answers that prayer and does it for me. And I'm just thankful. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm just thankful. He really does things like that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a little. There's a song by Casting Crowns that says, "You are loved." Tavon and I got to see them one time, so we really like them. But it says, "If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will." And there's a lot that says a lot right there. I believe. Father, thank you so much for your precious word and for teaching us today. Just a glimpse into your life and the times that you had in this beautiful day that you spent in Bethany amongst friends, knowing what you were about to face six days later in Jerusalem on our behalf. We're thankful that you got to have this beautiful day amongst friends in Bethany, Lord, thank you for allowing us to share this time with you. And we just admire you 
for giving us a glimpse into your beautiful life and your dedication and your bravery into your friendships and hardships. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to keep our hearts open to you and to be mindful that you will never leave us or forsake us and that you have only good thoughts toward us and that you're there to help us with all of our decisions and our hardships and our successes and remind us to turn to you and not from you. Thank you, Lord, for being with everyone here. Meet them at their point of need. I thank you for all those who listen to this message around the world and all of the nations that have been tuning in and you know who you are. And we thank you for listening. And God loves you and has a great plan for you. And he's there for you. Father, watch over us as we go. Surround us with your favor as a shield. Keep us healthy and whole from head to toe. In Jesus' name, amen.